bear with me just a moment while I uh, try to put this top back on here. You guys ever have any projects at home and, and whenever you, you get ready to do it, it's a lot harder than, than you think it's going to be? Has that ever happened? Well, that's unexpected. Hear me. There we go. That's not going to work. Try this one. Yeah. You know what I think I need is some tools. Are there any tools back there? Yes, sir. Can, can you bring them to me? That would be great. Thank you. How convenient that there happen to be tools back there. There we go. Now let me see. Measure that. Let's get that straight. Whoops. I think that's it. <laughs> now let me try. Brother, did I mention this might be a two-parter today? I, I tell you what, um, in the interest of time, there's no end to this duct tape. Well, when all else fails, There. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I know what you, thank you. Wow. I know what you're thinking. Don't quit your day job. What you should be thinking is, if he had used the tools the way they were designed, things would have gone a lot better. Is that right? Are you guys awake? Did I just put you to sleep? We had you right up until then. You know, our God is a God of great design. And in fact, uh, it, it amazes me how somebody can, can look out through all of creation. And, and I'm a strange kind of guy, you guys. If you didn't know that, you really figured that out in my little demonstration there. Uh, I actually used to be a contractor. Nine years. Which means I had a list of really good subs <clears throat> that I could call. But it amazes me that, that people will say that there is no God. And, and, and all you need to do is, is look around at his creation. The design is amazing. Whether, whether we're looking at the, the stars, I, I love astronomy, uh, not astrology. That's different. I just want to clarify that for you. Astronomy, the study of the stars, not the foretelling of things. But astronomy, I love looking. And, and, and whether we're talking about the farthest galaxy that's Hundreds of millions of light years away. That blows my mind. You know, a light year is the distance that it takes light to travel in a year. 
Now, light's fast, isn't it? There you go. That's quicker than I can think. Um, so, so the distance that it takes light to travel in a year, and we're not talking about that there are galaxies that are light years away. They're, they're hundreds of light years away. They're hundreds of millions of light years away. Whether we're talking about that or even just the galaxy, we can even get a little bit closer uh, the, the solar system that we're in. Do you know what amazes me is that they can't directly observe most things in our solar system because it's, it's so big. And yet, people will say that there's no God. Uh, then, then you go down to the smallest things, the atoms. I remember before I was a Christian, I uh, was taking science. I don't remember which one. Maybe it was physical science when we started looking at the atoms and and, and I remember the hydrogen atom, the lightest one, and it has one electron that circles around it. And I'm like, dude, that's the earth and the moon. It's not. But whether we're talking about the biggest things in our galaxy, in our universe, or the smallest things, there is so much complex design that, that it's amazing. Our God is a God of design. And, and that, that is only, not only holds true in, in creation, it not only holds true in uh, whether we're talking about astronomy or biology, but it holds true in the way that he's created us, the way that he's put us together. So I, I, I use that, I want to preface the message today by, by helping us focus on God's design as we head into one of the stickier passages in the Bible. Are you guys ready? Oddly enough, not oddly enough, God just works things out, but uh, one of the uh, big things at the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're talking about uh, women in ministry, and that's, that's like one of the, the hot topics in, in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's one of the hot topics in the world, actually. And, and so uh, they, there was a resolution that, that affirms uh, the roles of women in, in ministry biblically. And, and, and so as we head into this today, I realize this is an uncomfortable subject. It's, it's a little uncomfortable for me. But it's an uncomfortable subject that we need to handle because God's Word handles it, and we deal with it on a, on a daily basis normally. If you're married, you deal with it on a moment-by-moment basis. But also, not just how it deals in relationships, not just how it deals uh, in our world, but how, how do we deal with it in the church? So this is likely, I wasn't only joking uh, with, uh, with Kurt earlier, uh, this is likely going to be a two-part series simply because we can't hardly run over in the first service because the second service is right behind. So look with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And, and if you could, let, let's look at this, first of all, through the lens of Scripture, which is the, the guide that everything uh, should be measured by. But also, let, let's look at it through the lens of God's design for us. Now, are you ready? I don't, I don't know that you are. Here's what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Now, now I'm going to read this, and, and then we'll unpack it. So don't check out too quickly, okay? Um, e- either way, and guys, this is not a good place to say amen. There, there's hardly a good place to say amen yet. I'll let you know when we get there. <clears throat> let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. That's not the spot, guys. Hold on. Um, uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she should be quiet, or she is to remain silent. 
For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was deceived. I'm sorry, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. You guys are really smart. Didn't hear an amen. I didn't see a nudge. Uh, your, your wife next to you, which is an explanation of how you live this long. <clears throat> so so this, is, this is one of those passages. I don't know if you guys remember. A while back, we talked about how do we study the Bible. This is one of those passages where, where that that idea of studying the Bible, the observation, interpretation, application becomes very important. The observation says this, that we look at it, and what we need to understand, this is Paul, the apostle, writing to Pastor Timothy, who's pastoring a church in Ephesus. So first of all, we need to understand what Paul is writing to Timothy. What did Timothy hear? Because there are some cultural things that are in there that we need to understand. And one of the hard things, or one of the difficult things, or if we want to use a more positive word, challenging things for us, is separating culture from principle when we read Scripture. This is one of those. And this is one that a lot of people interpret a lot of different ways. So um, just, just hold on here. Uh, if, if you disagree with what I say today, let me encourage you to do this. Would you search it out on your own? Would, would, it, would it drive you into prayer and study of God's Word? Man, if, if I can irritate you and get you to do that, well, I'll try not to irritate you anyways. But um, if, if you find anything in here today, especially remember this is going to be two parts probably, but if you find anything in here today, you say, I'm not sure about that. Go to God's word. Say, God, show me. Show me, show me what this means. God, show me how I apply this to my life. So this is one. Paul is writing to a person who pastors a church in a specific context. And, and we need to understand that. And, and so there are a lot of times when, when Paul says stuff that we say, oh, that has to be cultural. Then there are some times when Paul says some things and we say, well, that, that might be cultural, but there seems to be a principle behind it. And then there are things where it's just really obvious where we say, okay, so Paul is writing and there's the cultural command, but the principle that he's giving is, is very obvious. So, so let's do that. Let's kind of unpack that a little bit. Paul says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, remember, um, what Kurt preached on just a couple of weeks ago was about praying. This is, this is instruction in praying in a church. And so Paul is, is instructing Timothy, and Timothy then, as pastor, is going to instruct this church. And apparently there's some things going on in the church that needed a little bit of tweaking. And so he's, he's talking about how do, you, how do you pray and what do you pray for and, and what does that look like? And, and so he gets to this part and he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, now let me tell you what messes this up. Are you guys ready? We cannot but help read and learn and hear based on our experience and our culture. Do you agree? Um, it is impossible to separate even just you know, we come from different parts of the country probably, but, but even different parts of the state, when we hear something, it's based on our cultural experience. It's based on our upbringing. Sometimes it's based on our personal experience with someone. And when, when I say this, man, I tell you what, if I went out there and yelled in the street, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, uh, you guys would either come visit me in the hospital or uh, you'd hold a service for me and find a new pastor, you know. 
Because that sounds demeaning. Understand, in the culture that Paul was writing to Timothy in this church in Ephesus, this is not lowering for a woman at all. The fact that a woman could learn theology was mind-blowing. Paul is saying, women, you need to learn theology. Not, Not quietly. With all submissiveness, we're going to get to that. Why did Paul add that in there? But when Paul said, let a woman learn quietly, or let a woman learn, people, that was revolutionary for them. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus always raised the value of women in contradiction to their society. Do you remember the woman at the well? I don't think that that was an accident. Um, out, of, out of all the people that Jesus could have gone to, out of all the people that he could have met, we don't know but that that was one of the main reasons he had to go through Samaria. Because he didn't have to physically. They could have gone around. Everybody else did. But, but the fact, in fact, the disciples struggled with that. The disciples said, what's he doing talking to a woman? And she's a Samaritan. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> Jesus did it, and Paul did it. When Paul says, let a woman learn, the idea is, let a woman learn theology. That was was just astounding to them. And then he says something here that that we we would say, this has to be cultural. Um, But don't, don't make up your mind just yet. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Now, now mind you, he's talking about a context of a church. And he says, but the woman... um, uh, she is to remain quiet. And, and if Paul had stopped there, then, then, then we would probably say this, uh, except for other scriptures speaking into this, if Paul had stopped there, we would have to say he, he's probably talking about a cultural command here. That this is a cultural thing, and it was. Now, now trust me, in that day and time, for a woman to stand up and to speak uh, particularly in a church, even if she's given her testimony. You know, we, we've done that before. Um, uh, or, or ha- have a woman come in and pray. Uh, there were some big cultural issues there. So, so that was a deal for them. And if Paul had stopped there, then, then we could have said that because of the culture, that's why Paul is saying it. Because Paul uh, talks about to the Corinthians that everything should be done orderly in, in a church. Everything should should not be disruptive. It shouldn't, shouldn't cause um, uh, problems. I don't mean uh, if you've got a problem with God's word, then you've got to take that up with God. But, but everything should be done in an orderly fashion. Our God is a God of order. And, and if Paul had stopped there, then we might say that. But he says something here that ties it to an area that goes beyond culture. Paul says, for Adam was created first. Now, that sounds weird in this whole discussion of a woman shouldn't teach or exercise authority over man. Paul's writing um, to Timothy, who's a pastor of a church, specific situation in a church. And Paul, when when he says this, he takes it into a whole other arena. And, And so when I see that immediately, I think he's not talking about a cultural thing here. He's talking about a creation thing here. What he's talking about is just part of the way that God designed something. So think about that. So when God created mankind, he created Adam. Do you remember that? Uh, 
unique from all of other God's creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the, let the earth teem, uh, or let the, the waters teem with fish. Let the, the birds uh, of the air. Whenever he spoke it, it happened. When it gets to, and, and we get a, a cool little uh, focused in shot in, in chapter 2, where it goes back, all of creation is done in chapter 1, then in chapter 2 it goes back and, and kind of expands what happens when he created mankind. It says, God formed man from the dust of the earth. That has with it the idea that, that God reached down and he took some clay and he formed the clay. That, that's kind of that wording there. It's a very personal thing that he did. And if that weren't enough, then after he formed man from the dust of the earth, he breathed life into him. And we know in, in Genesis chapter 2, it says God created, God created man, or God created Adam, man and, man and woman he created. So he created them both. It, he, he makes the distinction on purpose. But he says in his image he created them. So he not only took a personal interest when he created us, mankind. It's a personal thing he formed. But then God put some of himself into us. We are created in his image, in his likeness. And that goes for men and women. God created man from the dust of the earth. He created a woman from a rib uh, of the man. Uh, I love it to, to point this out whenever I do uh, wedding ceremonies. That, that he didn't take a bone from his head to rule over him. He didn't take a bone from his foot so that that woman would be trampled under him. He took a rib from his side so that the two could be side by side together. All right? So you guys with me? I'm, I'm going to skip and and then get right to to the meat. Um, and then we'll... Uh, We'll get it. You guys know that when you cook a steak, that, that after you cook it, you have to let it rest a little bit. So we're going to cook it, and we'll let it rest, and we'll pick it up and eat it next week, all right? So, so there, there are two terms that you need to be familiar with in this whole discussion. One is egalitarian. Egalitarian. You didn't, like, pick up your, your pencil there. and Oh, I forgot to hit the bottom line, didn't I? Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this. It's that God works when we work within his design. Just like my, my silly demonstration of using the wrong tools for the wrong things, that a tape measure, a, a hammer, um, I don't, oh, tape that didn't work, uh, and, and the rope. There's nothing in there that talks about their worth or their value at all. It's simply that they're designed to do different things. When, when we realize this, when we talk about this discussion in, in the context of God's design, we need to know that God works when we work within his design. Um, I'm not going to leave that poor little birdhouse that way uh, with the piece of rope trying to hold that on. I don't think the birds would care, but I do. Um, we need to understand that. And so in this discussion, there, there are, and I'm going to oversimplify, and I apologize for that ahead of time. You can go back and, and flesh out all of the little intricacies of each. But I, I will simplify uh, what each of them means um, because people even disagree uh, on that. But I'll give a simplified definition. And then what the 
simplified implications are for us. So the first one is egalitarian. Uh, that one, uh, you, you get the, the, the name from the word that mean we come from with equal. And that sounds good, doesn't it? Egalitarian, that men and women are equal. Well, you have to define equal in what? Equal in worth and value, obviously. I mean, God, God loves men and women equally the same. Now, now this is funny. Uh, if you've got kids, you've dealt with this, or um, we probably shouldn't do this. I, I, I've done this with my nieces and nephews. So I have favorites. Um, so, so, but, but with my two daughters, um, if one of them were to come and ask me, who do you love more, me or her, what could I say? I, I love you as much. <laughs> I love both of you as much. If I said I love you equally, one of them is likely to say, well, then how come you let her have a phone when she was 13 and I had to wait till I was 16 to have a phone? How come, how come my, uh, this is usually the first one who has these arguments, uh, how come my, my uh, curfew was 10 o'clock and she gets to stay out till 11? So, so do you see that even when we give a definition, all of a sudden it starts getting a little bit harder. Here's, here's the issue. Uh, the, the thought, the idea that men and women are equal in worth and value is absolutely true. The implications from that, that those who take this view go to, is that they are interchangeable in their roles. And that's where, that's where it starts getting a little bit hard scripturally. That's where it's hard to define a little bit more now. Mind you, there are theologians with lots of initials after their name that will argue this point. That's the, the egalitarian. They're equal in everything. Now, they wouldn't say that they were the same. I mean, you'd have to be blind and have a few other issues if you thought men and women were the same. We don't think the same. We don't look the same, thankfully. Um, if my wife were exactly like me, one of us is not necessary. Would you agree? Um, and I wouldn't have married her because I wouldn't want to marry somebody as ugly as me. So, so they wouldn't say that, but they would say that they were equal, and they extend that to the point that they're equal in the roles that they can play. Right? So that's egalitarian. Complementary. Let me slow down. I'm trying to hurry up to get as much in as I can. Complementarianism says this. Complementarianism says that, that men and women are created differently with different roles that complement one another. Now think back to Genesis. Um, when, when God created Adam, he created Adam, and then there's a space. You guys remember that? And after a little while... He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Guys, this is where you can say amen. Let me try that again. It is not good for a man to be alone. Amen. For a couple of reasons. One is, if we don't have someone to compliment us, the Bible, uh, the wording there means kind of like a help meet, someone that's created to, to I don't want to say fill us, God, God's the only one that fills, but created to complement our, our weaknesses um, with their strengths. And, and so if we have women, guys, we would, we would get into all kinds of trouble, wouldn't we? Uh, amen, there you go. Uh, but because that's the way 
I believe that's why God took woman from man because he made them to complement one another. They are to fit together is the idea. And complementary complementarianism says that God has created man and woman differently and and because they complement one another they're created with and designed for different roles. Now now here's a problem that we run into. Are you guys ready? Our problem is our experience. Our problem is that sometimes we don't fulfill the roles that we need to fulfill. Sometimes we fulfill them poorly. Uh, here's here's the, the thing. Um, if we say, uh, if we say, extend this, we'll make application more next week, but if we extend this to say then that, that men are supposed to be the leaders, we... I know you say, whoa, hang on, hang on. I know some women that lead way better than men. And I'd say, amen. That's absolutely true. Uh, we say, I'll read what we have in, in the, the Baptist faith and message here, our, our statement of faith uh, in a moment. Um, but, but, but if we were to say that, that um, we believe Scripture says that it, it should be the man who is a pastor of a church, then you could say, well, hang on, I know women who are far better preachers than men. And I'd say, amen. So our problem is our experience. What we need to understand is this, that when we were talking about God's design, remember we're not talking about worth, we're not talking about value, and we're not talking about ability. I hammered that nail in with a tape measure. Did you see that? It didn't go well, but it did. And now, now I almost pulled out my, um, my crowbar, or um, what do we call that, a wonder bar. Nearly cut my finger off with one of those one time. I almost pulled that out, and, and I could have hammered it in better with that. And In fact, I've seen people use rocks to hammer nails in, and they did a really good job with the rock. So we're not talking about it, all of those tools, all these tools in here, that, in that you didn't, you didn't have the thought at all that, well, that tape measure is not worth anything. That's why it won't hammer that nail in. Or, or that the hammer isn't supposed to be used for measuring. That's why your top's crooked. It, it is a little bit crooked uh, on there. You weren't thinking that at all. And so in this discussion, we, we shouldn't think that either. When we're talking about a God's design thing, we're not talking about worth, value, and we're not talking about ability. It's, it's simply a God's design thing that we hit. So... Where do we go? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week from this. But let me read as we, as we wind it up for today. Let me read what the Baptist faith and message, that's our statement of faith, what it says about the family. This is Article 8 because, you know, we have to do everything by articles uh, as Baptist. It says, The husband and wife are of equal worth before God since both are created in God's image. The marriage relationship models the way God relates to his people. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He has the God-given responsibility to provide for, to protect, and to lead his family. A wife is to submit herself graciously to the servant leadership of her husband, even as the church willingly submits to the headship of Christ. She, being in the image of God, as is her husband, and thus equal to him, has the God-given responsibility to respect her husband and to serve as his helper, help meet is the biblical word, 
in managing the household and nurturing the next generation. Now, notice this didn't spell out a lot about the roles. What this did is, is kind of give you what, what we were saying is that, that there are, God created us differently with different roles, and the roles are meant to complement one another. So, so guys, let me, let me close uh, t- today with this. A, a charge to the men and then a charge to the women. Guys, as we head into this discussion, and, and, and thank you for not like amening the, when it says the woman is supposed to graciously submit. Here's the deal, man. We need to be men who are worthy of following. When we talk about that, that God has given men the, the, the role really of leading our family, that's a way to summarize what I just said, of leading our family, men, we need to be men who are worth leading. Here's one of the biggest reasons that women don't want men to lead is because we're pretty sorry at it most of the time, if I'm just real honest with you. I didn't get a single amen from the guys. The women are smart enough not to. Guys, we don't do this well. Spiritually, we don't do this well. Paul points back to Genesis, and a little bit later he gets into Genesis chapter 3. If you remember the, the whole story, the serpent came and he tempted Eve and caused her to doubt some of the things that God said. And, and finally she, she gave in to the temptation and she ate the fruit. And that next line kills me. And she gave it to her husband who was with her. He was there. He watched the whole thing happen. But Eve ate first. Paul says that. Eve ate first and then Adam. When God comes walking in the cool of the day, a picture of perfect fellowship that God had with Adam and Eve. When he comes walking in the cool of the day, who did he call for? He called for Adam. Did God really not know where Adam was? Come on. (laughs) That little tree Adam was trying to hide behind didn't hide him. It might have hidden God from Adam, but it didn't hide Adam from God. God said, Adam, where are you? And he says, well, you know, heard you coming. <clears throat> we were naked. We were ashamed, so we hid. God said, Adam, second time, who told you you were naked? And that's probably when Adam thought, I should have let Eve do the talking. And something happened here. Of course, sin had already entered their relationship. Something happened here that we deal with to this day. He said, that woman you gave me, she ate and then she gave it to me and I ate. Guys, we need to be men worthy of following. God has given us 
the responsibility to lead our families. And that begins spiritually. <laughs> but it permeates every area of our, our lives with our families. But I don't blame women who don't want to lead a man who's not worthy of following. Or don't want to follow a man who's not worthy of, of leading. I don't blame them. Sometimes we're terrible at this. So guys, let me, let me challenge you as we dive into that next part next week. To be a man of God worthy of following. Don't let it ever be said of you by your, your wife or your kids or your grandkids. Eh, he says one thing, but he does another. Let, them be, let it be said of you, you know what, I want to be like dad. I want to be like grandpa. Because he followed God. Let it be said by your wife, I don't mind following him because he follows God. Women, here's my challenge to you. Would you help us? <laughs> we need your help. That's biblical. It's not good for a man to be alone. God has created you and gifted you. He's designed you so that you fit together with us. And then we together can do what God has called us to do. It's not good for us to be alone. I know there are exceptions. <laughs> Paul, um, don't know how he did it. Uh, a special grace from God. I don't know. But, but women, we need your help. First of all, uh, we need you to encourage us to follow God. Second, we, we, need, we need the affirmation. I know this makes, makes us sound pretty insecure, and we are. Um, we need the affirmation that when we lead, you will follow. When we follow the Lord. As we... As we Pick through this, and I know you probably will this week, as, as will I, and get ready to, to finish it up next week. Here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. Think about God's design, the way he designed things. And, and if this, for some, some men have trouble with, with the idea of the men leading the family. Um, guys, I'd ask you, why is that? What is there about that that, that that you push against? And, and ladies, if, if, if it's hard for you, if, if the idea of you saying, my husband is the leader of my home, ask yourself, why is that? What, what is it that causes me to push against that? Because I think most of the time we'll find that those things are born out of experience for us. Let's, let's close. Father, uh, hard message. Hard, I think, a lot of times because, uh, Lord, it, it's hard for me to yield to, to something just because you designed it that way. Lord, I know there are women who are better leaders than many men. I know, 
God, that, that there are, are, uh, there, there are women who, who preach better, uh, women who are more organized, women who can put things, words and sentences and thoughts and ideas together far better than, than any men that I know. And, and God, our society is so messed up. We, we tend to be influenced as much by our world around us as we are by your word within us. And God, I pray that, that as, we, as we walk through this, as, as each of us uh, just kind of unpack this in our lives this week, and, and what does that mean for us? Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just teach us, first of all, that in everything that we need to yield control to you. And God, I think that's the hard part. Lord, I pray that, that, God, you would teach us how to trust you more. Lord, I know that there are women who have been hurt by men. And somewhere along the way, their thought is, or, or they've watched women be hurt by men, and their thought is, I am not going to rely on a guy. I'm not going to put myself in that position. And God, forgive us as men for being that way. Lord, there are some men that, that say, I'm, I tried to lead once and it didn't go well. And so we've, we've given up that role and responsibility that you've given. God, forgive us. Lord, teach us how to trust you more and more in all things. And Father, this week, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would challenge us as men to be men Worthy of following. Because we're following you. And God, I, I pray that, that for the women, that, that Lord, you would just, just take away everything that the world says that, that roles equal value and worth and, and they're tied to abilities. And God, I just pray that you'd, you'd just teach us to trust. Where we get to the place that, that we say, Lord, I don't understand this. Some cases we might have to be honest and say, God, I don't like this. But God, I'm going to try it your way. Because I know that, Lord, that you work when we work within your design. Father, help us to be the men and women after your heart that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.